You're listening to the Podcast Factory. Yes, greetings everyone. This is Kabaka Pyramid from Kingston, Jamaica. I, I'm actually in the uh, beginning of making a, a song that's called Stop Touching My Belly, I'm Lactose Intolerant. When I was, you know, when I was a baby, I was really into just uh, doing weird pictures and I wanted to be an artist when I was a kid. I just want to be able to continue on doing what we're doing and have Metal Church get out there to get to the level where the band deserves to be, where Kurt Vanderhoof deserves to be and the music that he's written. That, that's what I would like. But all you had to do was be able to make some noise and express yourself and it was complete freedom and there were no rules and no expectations there was simply self-expression reach to the stars uh, do the best you can put all your energy behind whatever you partake in life do the best do it 100 percent hi johnny it's david hi david <laughs> have you ever heard of belgium what what Belgium is famous for. I heard of Belgian waffles, but so many times things get affiliated with places and they don't even make sense. But I know that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes we Americans will be saying Belgium waffles and then you find out, oh, they ha waffles have nothing to do with Belgium. That's just some American made that up. They... <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, that's actually, but, um... that's actually correct. The Belgian waffles are famous uh, here uh, in, okay. in Europe and even abroad, apparently. <laughs> I know it borders France <laughs> and the <laughs> Netherlands. <laughs> I have a girlfriend from Amsterdam, so she talked about Belgium. Um, so I don't know a whole lot more about it, to be honest, to tell you the truth. But you can educate me. You can tell me some things about Belgium. <laughs> well, we have the Belgian waffles, of course. We have the Belgian sprouts, mm -hmm. the Brussels sprouts. Mm -hmm. um, oh, in Brussels. Yeah, yeah. that's also Belgium. <laughs> Um, yeah. We have the Belgian chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What am I talking about? I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think the most famous thing of all, but uh, it kind of was mistaken in, in the States uh, some years ago, but actually French fries uh -huh. also come from Belgium. Really? It has nothing to do okay. with France. Because I know uh, it was a couple of years ago that in the States they were called Union Fries. Yeah. So some of boycott, but actually the the f French fries, the French is actually from two French, to cut up in pieces. Oh. But okay. yeah, we we are the founders. Uh, it's our uh, nationwide symbol. Nah, <laughs> that goes a bit too far. But uh, yeah, <laughs> we actually invented wow. the Belgian fries. It, it's not Belgian fries, but the French fries and. <laughs> Really? So we should be calling them Belgian fries. Yeah. I, I didn't know that, so I just got smarter. I just something. <laughs> now, uh, did you get a lot of French or Belgian fries growing up with uh, 12 children in the family? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we, and, the, and the ones that we did get, they, they were grown in our, in our garden on our land out back. We didn't go, we definitely didn't go out to eat. That was something we hardly, we never went out to eat. We always ate at home. We grew most of our food. And um, unlike today, where I live in California, I buy everything almost, but we have a um, garden where we grew vegetables and potatoes and melons, and we had fruit trees. And 
So we, we picked berries and everything was, we ate a lot of fresh stuff. So, um, and, a, and we didn't even, even though we grew potatoes, we grew um, sweet potatoes mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, we, when we got potatoes, they weren't uh, Belgian fries. <laughs> they were, <laughs> they would be cooked a different way, like mashed potatoes or baked potatoes. We didn't, I didn't have a lot of fries growing up. So you yeah. actually did everything with potatoes except for frying them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we ate a lot of rice. We ate rice and potatoes were definitely staples with me growing up in the South. And that's something you can, that was inexpensive and you could feed a lot of kids, I guess. <laughs> My mom. <laughs> Now I can imagine because um, I also have a brother, a younger brother, Um And, mm -hmm. you know, um, what we, I don't know if it's, uh, I think it's the same in, in, in the States, but um, it's like um, when one of the sons grew out of his uh, clothes, the next one would, oh, yeah. <laughs> would wear them. Um, yes. Is it the same thing in a family of 12? Would you wear like oh 12 God. generation clothes? Or <laughs> <laughs> and we call them hand-me-downs. Hand-me-downs. That's what we call those clothes because it gets handed down from the older one to the to the younger generation. Yeah. So so we would they, we call them hand me downs. So I wore a lot of hand me downs because when they they got too small for them, we would they would say, "Well, hand me down those pants," and that's how I came up with that <laughs> supposedly. But uh, oh yeah, oh my gosh, that's actually one of the disadvantages. Of having such a big family and being the youngest, everything was almost <laughs> before it got to me because I was the last one to get to everything. So it was that was one of definitely a disadvantage of being in a big family and having to fend for yourself and make sure you step in and get your voice heard. I think it made me stronger too, though, because because I had so many siblings. I had to really stand up and learn to fight for myself and keep my place at the table, you know? Was there any fashion guru with your sisters? Or were you like, um, oh my God, what am I wearing? Or <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I would probably be considered a fashion guru because <laughs> I, would get, I would get these hand-me-downs and inevitably they, they didn't really fit because it was just what I had to wear. And so sometimes things wouldn't necessarily fit. They might be a little big or a little worn by the time they got to me. Mm -hmm. So I was creative and I would take things and do things with them and try to change it up and say, if I got a blouse that that was too big, I would sew it and try to change it and make it smaller and change it a different way. And if it was long sleeves, I may cut them and make them short try to do something to make to recycle i guess we were recycling <laughs> long before it was trendy yeah you know you started the trend in fact <laughs> yeah and i would cut things up and you know back then we would make the fringes at the bottom of the shirts just to make it look different to make me feel like i had something new when it's been handed down probably two three times already <laughs> so, so yeah and i And I'm still like that to this day. I still, um, I'm considered 
the trendy one in my among my sisters. Oh, okay. I just wanted to ask if your sisters are still putting you handy downs, but yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny though? We still sometimes when we visit because I have um so I live in California. I have two sisters who still live down south in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. I have a sister in Chicago, Illinois, and um, and a sister in Portland, Oregon. And whenever we get together, we still snag each other's clothes. Like because now we can pretty much wear, for the most part, we can exchange and wear the same sizes. And so, we when we get together, if we go on a trip or when we visit each other. When the trip is over, somebody will be missing a pair of earrings or a cute blouse. And <laughs> it's kind of it's an ongoing joke, like who took my shirt? <laughs> so we still do stuff like that, you but, know. But of course, um, I can imagine that um, being 12 at home and now actually taking over America. Um, do you still have those uh, family reunion, re- reunions um, where, yeah. Oh, yeah, because I can imagine that you have like a really tight family growing up with 12. Yes, yes, we're really close. And we have a family reunion every other year. And it's usually down south just because that's where we're from or like Mississippi, Louisiana, Georgia, Tennessee, um, Chicago. We've gone to Chicago a couple of times. I haven't gotten them to come out here yet. I want them to, but when we get together, it's it's crazy. It's big. It's loud. It's a lot of people because you think of the, the my siblings who have children, and now some of my um, nieces and nephews. There have they have children and cousins and aunts and uncles. When we get together, it's crazy. It's huge. <laughs> we can. We can take over a floor of a hotel, and <laughs> but it's great, and we love being together. We're, we're still very close knit family. We still um, we still talk quite often, even though we live in different places across the country. We still talk. We still stay well connected, and especially now with technology, we can FaceTime and WhatsApp and <laughs> Google Chat and all this stuff. So we love it, but we love, we still, we love each other and we love being in contact. Growing up in in the family and then um, going through to the choir, um, is, is that's where, where a musical star was born, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Even though oh if you, you were, I think, obligated to participate or... Yeah, we were, it, we growing up in the church down south, it's, you were always in some type of production and you really didn't have a choice in the matter. It's just what we did. You know, with my parents worked so hard during the week, church became somewhat of an outlet for them, I think. And so it was their time to take off their work clothes and get dressed in their nicer clothes. And we'd go to church every Sunday and here they would, take us to Sunday school and then church. And sometimes we would go back to church in the evening after we had gone in the morning. So we went a lot. And, um, but I, I appreciate all those things now though, you know, because it was all helping us then to build foundations and whether you, whether we end up being um, following a religion or whatever. And now 
we were we were rooted and grounded and we were given we were taught morals and good ethics those life lessons have stuck with with us and we we, obviously we're not perfect and we all get off track but at least we know how to treat people we know how we're supposed to treat people and we know the difference between what's right and what's wrong and that we are supposed to try and do the right thing so Mm -hmm. i i'm i'm glad that we had that background but yeah, I do. I remember singing as young as six or seven in the in the church choir with my siblings, and have I was doing these um, speeches and little skits at church and stuff. So I was being groomed way back then, then but I just didn't know. I didn't know it. <laughs> I didn't know how. If I could fast forward all these years, I was being trained then. But now I can look back and see how that was. All that was. Helping, helping to shape who I've become now. Now, of course, um, you've, you're still singing now. Um, you're also acting. Um, and I immediately think of, um, you know, like um, you have those choir movies, um, for example, Sister Act. And, 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 and um, you would say that someone who can sing like you um, and, and has a choir of her own because... <laughs> You have a whole family who's in the choir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you That's would imagine, uh, yeah, <laughs> you would imagine going into films like that. Um, but uh, yeah, if you look at, at at your curriculum, let's say so far, um, I can't see anything related to Sister Act or something like that. Doing the <laughs> choir and, or is that a secret project you're working on? No, it's not. But actually, you know, um, the closest thing to that would be I have I pulled together. Well, two things. I do still sing in the church choir. <laughs> A lot. I sing in the church choir. But related to work, there are like those choirs that you see in Sister Act. Sometimes you see those choirs in in television commercials. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things that I did is I pulled together a a group of singers. So whenever there is a choir that they need in a television commercial, or film or TV, but we tend to get called for commercials. I haven't been, I haven't had the privilege of being in one of those choirs like that in Sister Act. But, um, But for TV commercials, I have. I pulled together a group of singers and I told my agent, I said, whenever you see these roles come through or these commercials come through that are looking for singers or a group of singers or a choir, call me. I have a group of people. So she started doing that and we get auditions and we go to, um, we have booked some jobs, you know, with a group of people who sing. So it has, it's paid off for me in the long run. I have I've been able to book jobs where I'm singing. As a matter of fact, I had an audition just last Friday where they're looking for Christmas carolers to oh. be in a TV commercial. So I went in. Even it's hot here right now in California right now. <laughs> I had I put on my red Christmas sweater and my scarf and my uh, Santa hat, and I went in and I sang Christmas carols. Now I haven't heard <laughs> if I got the job yet or not, but there those. It's those kinds of ways, those kinds of things that I can utilize my singing too. Because when they're looking for an actor who also sings, I I can go in for those kind of jobs. So yeah, I but, love it. But but it's I think it's um, 
it's something we we see uh, more and more in in films and in actors and actresses it's that um they're also getting like vocal coaches uh, to to sing uh, for example uh, if you have Russell Crowe for uh, Les Misérables exactly that's yeah that's yeah. Hugh Jackman same thing and and even with mm -hmm. uh, the, the greatest showman um yes. yeah It's it's exactly. it's a new trend, I think, because it's getting more and more popular, and so the the, yeah. the bigger names are also taking on on singing lessons. I don't know how much is auto tuned, but <laughs> right, right. And there's the new movie, the new A Star Is Born. You know, yeah, for, for uh, Lady Gaga. Gaga. Yeah, yeah, that that's gonna be amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing it myself. But yeah, we. Um, For example, I sang in uh, a commercial for Chrysler, the car. Mm -hmm. There was a, a mini, Chrysler minivan. Our group booked a job to sing in that commercial. I actually sang in a Nike commercial when Kobe Bryant was retiring. They did a commercial around that. So there have been, there's been a few really fun jobs that I have booked where I have to sing. So... I'm glad that's a, a, it's just, and it's just a raw talent God, that I was born with. I, I didn't really get formal training in it. It's just what I was born with. Now, of course, um, <laughs> you, you didn't start off with acting. You actually um, went into the, the private sector and had a career of your own, um, even up yes. to marketing analysts and, and things like that. Um, even working yes. for Apple in Silicon Valley. Yes, yes. Definitely. You did your research, I see. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I did work in the private sector for a number of years because growing up very poor in the deep south where I was, you, you may not believe this, but I didn't even dream that I could go to school and major in something like theater or filmmaking Or things of that nature, the creative arts. I was taught that if you're fortunate enough to get into college, it's best for you to get a safe degree, like a business degree or an education and become a teacher. And when I was young, I did want to be a teacher. And then that changed by the time I got to college. Um, that did change. But and back when I as a child, I wanted to be a teacher. But I did get the business degree and I played it safe and I worked a number of years in the corporate sector and that came in handy and I don't regret it. I'm glad I did that. And I went back later and got a, a master's degree. So I'm glad I did those things too. And it wasn't until my husband's job transferred us to Southern California from Northern California. And I, so obviously I left my job to move down here with him And I'm not one to not work, so I thought one day, hmm, what am I going to do? Because I want to bring some money into the household. And I thought, oh, I'm in L.A., what's the industry? Entertainment! <laughs> so, <laughs> to make a long story medium, I started taking classes. I started training. And, you know, having been growing up singing in front of crowds, I didn't have stage fright, so I was already comfortable speaking in front of people and singing in front of people. And I loved it. So I felt like it was a natural transition. And I thought, 
you know what, this is something I enjoy. I'm going to give it a shot and I'm going to use this window of opportunity to do something that I enjoy and something that I want to do and not because it was the safe thing to do or it was what my parents thought I should do because now I have this opportunity and Mm -hmm. I went for it and I started improving and then I got an agent and started getting jobs and, and here I am still (laughs) doing it. So, but were you still allowed in church on Sunday after you announced yeah. you were taking on acting? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, it was, it was, it was kind of difficult <laughs> to make the transition because some people thought, "What are you doing? Are you serious? Have you lost your mind?" And and not only that, but because my husband and I had saved our, we had saved money because we had decent income in our private sector jobs. And so we were maxing out the 401k. We were doing really good with saving because my husband is a good money manager. So he, he's helped me a lot in that area. So when we made the decision, we actually made the decision to sell our house because we had a big house on the hill and we had a guest house and it's just the two of us. So we thought if we're going to be serious and take a shot at working in entertainment. We don't need all of this overhead. And until we get up and running and start booking jobs, we need to downsize. So we did that. We right-sized. We got a smaller house. We made all these decisions that someone looking at the outside would think, they're crazy. What's going on? (laughs) What's wrong? They're crazy. Yeah. So, um, and then I, and I did get some of those questions and I had some of my, my siblings, one of my sisters, specifically remember her asking me, are you okay? Is something wrong? <laughs> Do we need to talk about something? But it was, I just said, no, this is something I've wanted to do. And I'm, I just feel the time is right and I'm going to take the opportunity because I don't want to die wondering what if I had tried it. What would it have been like? I just want to, my husband and I always say, we want to die empty. We want... We want to use all the gas in our tank while we're alive. We don't want to leave anything, any resources unused. Mm-hmm. So that's why we decided to just, I, I went for it. And so far, it's, it's, been, it's been really nice. It's been rewarding. It's been fun. Yeah, it's risky and it has its ups and downs. But I think if you enjoy what you do, you can get through those times a lot easier than if you're in a, in a job that you absolutely hate. Mm-hmm. Now, um, for us outsiders, um, you've had experience in human resources. Um, mm-hmm. Could you compare like a job interview in the private sector with an audition in the entertainment sector? Oh, wow. You know what's interesting? That's a, that's a very interesting question, by the way. They're completely different, but they're very much alike, if that makes sense. <laughs> and what I mean by that is one of the things you said about the thousands, literally thousands of people in line for these jobs, they don't, they're not as plentiful for me as mm-hmm. a private sector job. But here's the thing. Someone else said this to me, actually, in another interview that I did. They said, well, when you're in the private sector type job, you're really, you're acting there too. And especially when you go on a job interview, 
if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, you're the perfect employee. <laughs> yeah, you're because you're present. You want to present yourself as that perfect employee, right? Uh-huh. You're trying to convince <laughs> that person to hire you for that job. So you're saying everything you think they want to hear. You wore your you worn your best clothes, which could translate into your costume, right? Like we have here, our, our Sunday clothes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You put your best foot forward. You're thinking of when, when they you're saying your lines because when they ask you questions, you you got these most of the lines you may have already prepared. Name a bad quality, and I'm like, yeah, yeah exactly. I'm I'm uh, always optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> and I one of my down my down my biggest downfall is I tend to work so hard. I tend to work too many long hours. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so in a way, it is acting. <laughs> so they're very similar in that way. If you really stop and think about it, right? Do you see mm-hmm. what I mean? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's very similar. But on the other hand, it's you would never go into where they differ. I see. You would never go into a, an interview in the private sector and see thirty other people in the room waiting for that same <laughs> job at the same time. Yeah, that's where great. We, you know, when I go to an audition, there's pages of women there you may flip to three or four pages when you're signing into the audition and you see all these other women who are your same size your same skin tone your same age range your same and i'm like where do these people come from (laughs) (laughs) so so that's the biggest difference is that the competition is fierce out here so so does that mean that um you have to cope with a lot more no's than in the private sector Oh, oh, definitely. Uh, in my opinion, because yeah. that—that's a demotivation, of course. If you get exactly. slammed, the door slammed after after door. Uh, right. Yeah. At one time, you're and like, I, yeah. I've had it. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's easier in the private sector too. If you go to an ob, an, an interview, and you get the call or you get that form letter that says, "Thank you for your interest, but." we are not going to be hiring you at this time, you know, Yeah. <laughs> then you move on and you think, okay, well, let me just go to the next job. And there's, and you go to the next job, but here you can be told no so many times that it starts to feel, if you take it personally, it can start to wear on you. You know, it feels, it feels more normal to go to a private sector job and be told, Or you're not going to get the job because we're looking for someone with 12 years experience. I'm just making that up, obviously. I'm mm-hmm. making this up. But you go to an audition and you just may not, you never get told anything like that. You know, you don't, they don't call you and say, oh, sorry, you didn't get this one because you just kind of don't hear back. <laughs> and that's one of the <laughs> okay. I have to get used to. That was something I really had to get used to is just you walk out of the audition and you you only get called most times if you book the job. If you didn't get the job, you you don't hear anything. You And you're just out there wondering until, oh, well, I guess three weeks have passed now. I guess I didn't get that job. And so a week later that, they call, no? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Sometimes. But that was hard. That was a hard thing for me to get used to was just that not knowing and um, 
and not knowing, you know, you can't take it personal either as an actor. Like, why didn't I get that job? I thought I did good. And, and I, what did I do wrong? What were they looking for? There's all those kinds of questions, those unanswered questions. It's all that not knowing that we have to just let it go and not do, don't, because you drive yourself crazy doing that. If you do that after an audition, you just have to go in, have fun, give it your best shot try to give them something they haven't seen in that audition room all day, show them something fresh, something new, and then move on and let it go. And if it's yours, it'll come to you. If not, keep moving forward. Is there a secret song you're listening to to pep you up before an audition? (laughs) (laughs) No, not really. But I sometimes I like solitude before an audition sometimes. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I I like silence. I like to be quiet. I like to go inward and just focus. I don't, I don't always like, um, I don't like music a lot. Unless, you know what I do do, if it's something, if I'm prepping for something that requires me to be sad or to cry, then I might play music like that, that will, that will bring me there to help get me there. But, on the opposite end, if it's if I need to be upbeat, that just kind of that comes kind of natural for me. So I don't do I don't do a whole lot of music in preparation for um, for auditions. Now, um, with new um, high players coming into the market, um, for example, Netflix, Amazon, um, do you think that that um, it's an advantage? It's it's an, an added value to the entertainment market or do you think it's it's uh, disruptive you know i think reinventing is a good word for it i don't think that it will destroy disrupt is also a good word but i think that it's just another it's another outlet for us to get stories out there i'm glad that they exist because for for us actors I believe that those, <clears throat> excuse me, those things like Netflix and Amazon and so have you, they do, um, they obviously make it, they give us more of a level playing field. Mm-hmm. So people who may not be, oh, people who may not be able to get uh, stories told in a big network can get their stories told. Um, on Amazon Prime or Netflix or some, some, what have you, some other comparable network like that. But I think that for actors, it's also a good thing because the acting in the shows that you see outside of the big networks or the big studios is actually really good. It's really superb acting. So you can see... I, I see it as a good thing, actually. That's just my opinion, because you see a lot of good work on Netflix and Amazon, and all. There's so much people can get content out and get stories told that may have been more difficult to get out in the past. So I see it as a good thing. Now, uh, what are the current projects you're working on, um, acting or music-wise? Acting-wise, I just Oh, I worked on 
There's a movie called Headshot that's coming out. I was really, I had a great time just last week or week before last. I worked on an episode of NCIS LA. Oh. That was fun. I got to work with them. That, that cast was amazing. I love it when the cast is really friendly. Even though I'm not a series regular on this show, I'm just in and out, but they they were very gracious and they greeted all of us and were were kind and so that was fun. I also oh I shot a commercial, um, a car commercial on Saturday just a couple of days ago, and I have I'm on hold right now for a couple of spots, a couple of commercials. I'm waiting to hear back. So, so you're in those uh, two, three week periods now. <laughs> I'm in it. I'm right in the middle of it right now. <laughs> right As now, right see, here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really, I am actually living it. And I'm, I'm really waiting to hear positive things, though. I remain optimistic. I'm writing some personal narrative with a splash of inspiration because I always like to inspire and motivate those around me. So... I'm working on a book that I should have published next year. So that's another thing I'm working on, too. Um, but enjoying it, having fun, still singing at church, everywhere I get an opportunity to. So that's what's around the corner for me right now. And just curious, but the book, um, are you going to release it worldwide? Or is it just going to be um, yeah, on, on demand on your website or... I haven't decided, but I definitely, um, I, I was toying with, my husband thinks I should do a smaller scale and do self-published, but more and more, the more I think about it, I think I want to try and go bigger. I think I want to spread my wings a little bigger than self-publishing because I feel like I need more support that a publisher could provide to mm -hmm. help me take it to a wider audience. So it's still in process and all of that is being, I'm still praying about it and thinking about it and talking about it, but I would definitely love to take it to a bigger audience than just my website per se, or just in my local bookstore. I would definitely like to pursue a, a larger audience for it. So I'm not sure right now what that looks like, but uh, it's all in the works. But perhaps it's the first step in taking over the world. See? Look at the way you're thinking here. <laughs> I, maybe I should talk to you more often. <laughs> yeah, you know? I, I'm, I'm actually the, the pep voice in your ear. I, I'm, we're not having this conversation. We're not having this interview. You're just listening to some recording to get you pepped up for the audition later on tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to. We'll have to talk. I'm gonna talk to you more offline here because <laughs> I, I like the I like the forward thinking process that you have. Yeah, that's that's Europe. That's uh, <laughs> we, we don't have a Silicon Valley. We just call it Europe. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. I'm gonna so, have to think. I'm gonna have to think more European. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> think globally. <Yeah. laughs> Now, uh, perhaps one last question before I uh, let you take off and, and conquer the world. Um, okay. <laughs> if the whole world was listening right now, what would you say? I'm, I'm about to take over. Be prepared. 
Yeah. You will remember this name, Joni Bovell. <laughs> no, really, I would say uh, thanks for listening in whatever it is that you have in your heart, whatever you have in your mind that you want to do. If you have any dreams that you've pushed aside, pick them up again, dust them off, and make things happen. Don't put any limitations on yourself. You can do whatever it is you want to do. Go for it. That's what I would say. That's lovely, of course. And I think everyone would enjoy uh, those nice words <laughs> just before <laughs> the dictator takes over. But, <laughs> <laughs> now, but um, David, you, know, you, you, you use all these American terms, but then you use your European forward thinking. So you're, you're a good combination. You got this down. <laughs> you're, you're a good mix. I exercise a lot <laughs> in, wor oh, in words, okay. not in the gym, because, yeah, the gym's too far for me. <laughs> Thanks for making the time for the interview. Um, we sure. do wish you the best of luck, of course, uh, for the additions that are still pending. And, of course, on taking over the world. Um, and I hope, of course, we'll hear you next time um, with lots of great news. Um, news about your book, of course. Yeah, thank you. Okay, David. Well, thanks for the time. Okay. You go ahead and enjoy the, the nice weather. And until next time then. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.